The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR. 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. Hot Happy Mess. Celebrate your magic in the middle of life's messes. Hot Happy Mess. I'm Zuri Hall, and this is Hot Hot, Happy happy. Mess. Oh, shoot. (laughs) Happy Monday, y'all. If you're listening on the day that this episode comes out, if not, what are you doing? You should make sure you're subscribed and listening on the day these things come out. Um, Maybe this is a Sunday, which would be even better. A a wonderful way to celebrate the Sabbath because I'm super excited about today's episode. Uh, We are talking about all things faith. Oh, by the way, this is Hot Happy Mess, and I'm Zuri Hall. I kind of assumed you knew, but just in case you didn't, I'm your host and I'm happy you're here. Today, we're talking about all things faith and how we as millennial women can find our rhythm in our faith. Maybe if you fell off the wagon, how we can get it back. If we've never thought about it, how to start that journey. Um, And we're also talking about losing faith, about um, losing religion, about uh, the stigmas associated with church and, um, and how to kind of bounce back from those. I have an amazing woman. Oh my gosh, she's just an absolute light. Reverend Michelle Guidry. Uh, she's the Dean Spellman College, and she is here to share her amazing insights on how we can all be more connected with our faith. And it was just such an honor to talk to her. My faith is important to me, and Lord knows I can use some guidance. <laughs> and so if you're anything like me, if you, if you need um, some, some positivity, some words of encouragement today, if you need those friendly reminders to, to stay strong in your faith or, or strengthen it, then this is an episode you're going to love. Even if you're curious, maybe you don't know if it's for you, you're on the fence, uh, then then you'll enjoy this conversation. I feel confident of that. You know, um, Michelle is awesome. She's so open and conversational and 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 just non-judgmental and just cool, man. I, I just felt like I was talking to one of my homegirls. So it was really awesome to, to meet her and have this conversation. So without further ado, here's Michelle. 
All right, y'all. Reverend Dr. Nichelle R. Guidry currently serves as the dean of the chapel and the director of the Wisdom Center at Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia. She is the creator of She Preaches, which is a virtual community and professional development organization that aspires to uplift African-American millennial women in ministry through theological reflection, fellowship, and liturgical curation. How are you? Should I call you Reverend? Reverend Doctor? You can call me Nichelle. Michelle, okay. Very well, Barry. Thanks for having me on your show. Of course, of course. You know, we were talking just a little bit before we got rolling here, and I was um, telling you how this is such an important conversation for so many, you know, whether we're finding faith, whether we've lost it, whether we're um, considering or discovering or exploring it for the first time in our lives. um, It's something that is important to so many of us. And just like all of the things that are important to us, it's hard to balance sometimes with everything that we as millennial women have going on. So I'm so grateful for you sharing your wisdom and your knowledge to kick things off. Uh, just tell me a little bit about your journey to becoming the Dean of Spelman Chapel. That's huge. It is huge. And um, I'm reminded every day what a big job it is. <laughs> um, I'm really grateful to be in the position and it has definitely been a journey. Um, it started in my childhood. I was reared in a home with two parents that were both very spiritual and very active in two different church communities. My dad's a lifelong Catholic. My mom's a lifelong Baptist. And so um, it was just a really interesting um, childhood kind of experiencing uh, many, many different ways that Black people express their religious devotion to God. Um, I became a follower of Christ in a Pentecostal by practice, non-denominational church, um, which was very pivotal in my journey because after all those years of attending all those churches and all those years of being a granddaughter of a Baptist pastor, I had never seen a woman in ministry, Zuri. Mm. I'd never seen a woman wearing vestments and lipstick and heels in the pulpit and just such a force, such a force. Whenever Pastor C is what we would call her in church, Reverend Dr. Claudette Copeland, whenever she'd step to the pulpit, it's like she commanded the room even before she ever opened her mouth. And I remember Mm. feeling just so impacted by seeing this woman in such a powerful position. Wow. Um, you know, well, I, I can, t- I just got to chime in because y'all can't see her, but just so you know, Nichelle is all the way fly. She's got oh, the beautiful you. big girl hoops. <laughs> She's got the floral blouse. She's stunning. Um, so I'm like, sign me up. Y'all said to be camera good. ready. So I said, <laughs> I can do that. I am here for it. I am here for it. So that was your first example um, of a woman first, really owning yes, it. Just totally owning it. And What she has symbolized to me from that point all the way up into the present is as a black woman who does ministry, we have to bring our fullness to everything that we do. Um, Bring your style, bring your fashion, bring your sensibility, bring your power, you know, like don't, don't dumb it down. Don't hide it. Don't make it accessible and approachable. So people aren't intimidated by you. No, no, no. Bring Mm. all of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. because God gave it to you and it's your weapon in this world. Right. Um, and so that was a, that was a turning point. Um, when I got to college, um, I went to Clark Atlanta university right next door to Spelman. I'm an Uh AUC baby. Um, 
At the time, Clark Atlanta had this requirement that you had to take one course in religious studies to graduate. And um, so I took this course called Psychology of Religion, and it was fascinating. The professor kind of trailed from the transatlantic slave trade in the Middle Passage all the way up to the Black church as we have known it. He's trailed how religion has helped us to survive. Mm. And I was fascinated by it because I think, you know, as a child, always being in church, obviously I saw people love going to church. They love hearing sermons and singing songs. But outside of that historical context of of slave trading and auction blocking and family separation and enslavement and Jim Crow and Reconstruction, like it, 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 it does feel like it can be performative. But in the context of Black history, um, Black faith is actually quite radical mm. um, and and so powerful in all of the expressions. Yeah. And so when, once I took that class, Suri, I think my destiny Game was over. secure. <laughs> I was like, wow, wow, wow. I was I was fascinated. And I think I was always very, you know, my religion and my spirituality were very important to me. So now to be able to couple that with this intellectual approach with this cerebral approach and having an actual um, knowing the canon of black theology, learning that it took it to another level for me at that point. Really? Totally. So at that, you were in college um, when, when you had that sort of epiphany, like, wow, this is it. This is mm-hmm. the, the road that I want to take. Yeah. Uh, so what were the next steps? Where did you study to, where did you begin your theological studies rather? Um, and, and what was that? Uh, process like you know I sometimes uh, hear about uh, uh, leaders in communities of faith who say you know those were some of my hardest times or some of the times that I struggled most with my faith yeah. when I was trying to find it in a, in a more substantial way to help others yeah. uh, did oh, you yeah. struggle with that at all <laughs> did you have those moments of doubt or question and and how did you get back on track or, or deepen your faith I definitely think that there is a certain layer when someone decides to answer the call to do ministry there's a certain layer to leadership to where you cannot possibly preach a gospel or a message that you have not lived. Mm. And so there is to me, and I, I know this from my life, there are um, just seasons of hardship and, and that really just test your faith because there's going to come a point when you're going to have to preach a message or you're going to have to counsel somebody and you can't, you can't, you can't say a message. We can't, you can't proclaim a message with authority, mm. with certainty, if you haven't lived it yourself. And so right. there were lots of seasons, many seasons. Um, so after I graduated, I went to Yale Divinity School wow. and um, did the Master of Divinity there. Um, Ooh, okay, Ivy Lee. <laughs> listen, we do HBCU, we do Ivy, listen, we do it all. all the time. Okay. I'm here for it. <laughs> um, and that was that was an incredible experience. And I think it was that point that really activated me and politicized my my faith. Um, I mm. I became a womanist at Yale um, University, not because I wasn't exposed to it in undergrad, because I was, but mm-hmm. because I saw. Um, and I felt and I experienced the daily, um, I would just say onslaught of white supremacy and the ways mm. that it does cause black folks to, to walk into a room and wonder if you belong there. 
And it is tempting sometimes to, to code switch. So you're not, you know, the oddball out in the room and just to be able again to walk in your fullness and your authenticity, no matter where you are. Um, as a black person in the United States is, yeah. is, um, it is courageous. It is bold. It is radical. And that's where that switch happened for me in, in mm. divinity school at Yale university. Okay. Um, by virtue of my studies, by virtue of my experiences, such as the time that they hosted a watermelon eating contest at the community dinner, um, on okay. Friday night. And, and I was just like, this is not literally be happening. Please. I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> like, is this, is this really happening? And, you know, at the time, I was um, the president of the Yale Black Seminarians, co-president of the Yale Black Seminarians, girl. And we we called the school out. It was Did my, you? Good. <laughs> it was Good. actually one of my first experiences of, like, of activism. Like, mm-hmm. no, y'all need to make this right. Um, so did did we make it right? Did they, did they, they tried, they tried. (laughs) I wish you could see my face right now. I I really wish everybody else could because you hit it with the little behind the ear scratches. So you already know how that played out. (laughs) You know, at some point, you know, you have to just decide like, am I going to die on this cross or am Mm -hmm. I going to keep on living because it's more important to get my work done and fulfill Mm -hmm. my assignment? And, you know, that was one of those cases where I was like, yeah, I'm going to raise my voice. And we organized and we did, we did a whole thing. But in the end, it was just like, I'm trying to graduate. <laughs> right, right. Just get, um, get out. Yeah, yeah. And I do think it was important that we made our point, you know, mm-hmm. but there comes a point where it's kind of like, okay, make your point, move on. Mm-hmm. Um, so after Yale, I went and did my PhD at Garrett Theological Seminary in Chicago on the campus of okay. Northwestern and um, had an even more, um, became even more politicized because I, at this time, was working at a church in Chicago, and I was also traveling a lot doing ministry. And I experienced a lot of what we would describe as like gender-based, um, uh, you know, micro and macro aggression mm, um, okay. in church settings. And none of it that I thought was unique to me because, you know, studying religion and studying the black church, we know most of most of the black church has been established on the backs and due to the labor of black women, even when these contexts and settings don't know how to honor black women. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was when you say micro and macro aggression, sorry to cut you off. but I'd love just a little more detail. Um, Do you have like an example or two of, of what a micro or macro aggression might look like in the church space for a woman? So it will range from like people saying you're too pretty to be a preacher. Um, mm-hmm. I've never seen a preacher that looks like you. Um, mm-hmm. Having my attire policed, you shouldn't wear that. It's a little too concealing. It's a little too tight. And I'm like, it's skinny jeans. Listen, <laughs> like what? What you want me to wear? That's skinny jeans. Well, the good news is they've gone out of style, apparently. I'm, Thank I'm God. refusing to burn Seriously. them, but I haven't worn them in a few weeks now because all the Gen Zers are making me feel bad. No, it's cool. I mean, boyfriend jeans are a wave. I'm much more so comfortable. comfortable. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, all dresses and, you know, it was just very much things like that. And then, I mean, and then it got like to the extreme of like being invited to 
I'll give you a specific example, being invited to preach at a church um, out of town. Okay. And instead of having sending someone to the airport to pick me up, the pastor himself came and told me, um, before I drop you at your hotel, I've made us dinner reservations. I'd really like to get to know you. Oh my God. And I was like, turn the car around immediately. (laughs) Turn the car around immediately. Oh Um, my goodness. And so there's just like all kinds of ways that, you know, with without invitation, without prompting, Mm -hmm. people were just kind of would would regularly just transgress my boundaries, which is a big part of the reason why she preaches evolved, because I was like, I need some community around these experiences and these issues. And ultimately I wrote my dissertation on rape culture in the black church because Mm. I was very, very, um, I just knew like, this is not unique to me. This is, there is a historical legacy of misogynoir in the black church, even as the black church has benefited from the time, talent and treasure of black women. Mm, mm, Like so many people, so many people across the spectrum. You brought up She Preaches. Um, was it around the time that you were in Chicago that that community formed, that virtual community? Yeah, yeah that that formed in 2012. And okay. at that time, I had been in Chicago for about a year. And um, I had a mentor at the church I was working at who was just so phenomenal, Suri. An older woman who... Um, was just like my patron saint. You know, she took me under my under her wing. Everything she knew, she taught me. Um, I think that relationship was like one of the biggest gifts I got from that season because mm-hmm. she was the one that told me, you need girlfriends in this ministry life. Like you need you need people mm-hmm. um who know the struggle, who are also going through it, so y'all can glean wisdom and strength from each other. She was a big part yeah. of the inspiration for that. Oh, that's amazing. So you're in school, you've developed this virtual community, you're, you're stepping deeper into your faith and, and also working in the space now. Um, at this point, how many years would you say you've been um, practicing? I'm thinking, I'm actually like, <laughs> I'll, the only word I know is practicing for it, right? And you're technically a doctor, but what would you call it? <laughs> you know, you? I think practice is a great word. I mean, okay. because I I think I, know, I'm not, I have not mastered ministry yet. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, every round is going higher and higher. And I feel like I'm still practicing. I'm still getting yeah. better at it. I'm still learning. So, um, yeah, I think that's a perfect word. Okay. 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 And it's by just, no means when I say practice, did I mean in the to suggest like you're still working system, on it? Absolutely yeah. no. But I, okay. I, I have actually really embraced this notion of practicing my faith and practicing mm. my profession. Um, so I think it's quite divine that you that you use that language because that's what I'm approaching my work as. I think sometimes when we approach our work from this kind of perspective of I'm the expert, um, it can it can project some pressure that is not that's unhealthy for us as Black women. And I can practice my my craft at the same time as knowing I'm a boss at it, right? Mm-hmm. So these don't negate yes. each other. Um, I'm just wanting to stay in the mode of continuing to sharpen my tools, continuing yeah. to sharpen my skills, and continuing to get better. And I think practice is a perfect framework for that. 
Got it. Okay. All right. Practice it is. Uh, For those of us (laughs) practicing our faith these days, um, what have you found to be uh, the biggest challenges, uh, hurdles, and also the biggest sources of encouragement specifically for women like us, for for millennial women, for millennial women of color Mm -hmm. um, who are trying to find or keep faith? Um, How different is it now from, you know, generations back? I grew up in the church. I grew up in the AME church. Um, I kind of found my way back to to Christianity in a way that really made sense for me in a meaningful way, not just I went to church every Sunday way. I, I lived it. Yeah. I experienced it. I chose it as a young adult. Yeah. And that really moved the needle in a different way. What have you seen of millennial women and their experiences in finding faith in their in their adulthood? Mm. I I think you hit the nail on the head um, in in saying I chose this. I think um, we are all in in a season of our lives as millennials, whether you are on the front end or you're a geriatric millennial like <laughs> oh me. Gosh, I hate everyone. <laughs> Why did they come up with that? I just, who did I just that? To, who did I'm that to like, y'all? <laughs> uh, they I'm not far behind you. To make us older. <laughs> What's the age that they that uh, folks become geriatric? Because for a minute, I oh, thought I was question. too. I'm 33, so I think I'm just peak millennial. But I, like, what could I think it's like whoever was be would be like between thirty four and thirty five now. You start you're at right. the start of geriatric millennials. I might be wrong, but I know <laughs> I fall into the category as a thirty six year old woman. Where proudly, where proudly, proudly. Okay? proudly. I mean, I would not go back to my twenties if somebody paid mm-hmm. me. I mm-hmm. it only gets better with time, and so that, hallelujah, thirty six uh-huh. and counting. <laughs> let's um, go. Let's go. No, I mean, and so I think, you know, honestly, this is kind of a huge, well, I'll, I'll answer the question in the order you, you asked me. So some of the big hindrances and challenges to finding balance, spiritual balance. Um, one of the first things that comes to my mind is burnout and exhaustion. And you and I were talking about that briefly before we got started, but it's just so real. And it's this, this, really unique conflation of the superwoman syndrome, feeling like we have to do everything. And even sometimes like we have, we do have to do a lot of things because we don't have the resources to delegate or hire out. We don't have the team. We don't have the framework. Um, sometimes we also just overextend ourselves. I think we com- we overcommit. We overfunction. Some of us are still in the process of claiming our no. Um, and I think... All of these things and more together, it is so easy to end up so exhausted. Um, I'm tired often. And I find that (laughs) in the times where I feel most fatigued and I feel most exhausted, it's when I've taken on too much. I've taken on too much. I haven't managed my time. I haven't been a good steward of my my health, you know, my physical and mental wellness. Um, and and Everything is all of all of my intentionality and mindfulness is falling to the side because there's just a thousand and one things to do. So I just think we've got to, you know, and, and a lot of people don't consider this spiritual work, but it is complete spiritual work when you think about how you are the steward and the agent over your time. Um, and and the steward and the agent over your body, right? Um and it becomes a matter of discernment, like what's what's necessary today 
What is calling me today? What is the work that is mine to do today? And not anybody else's and not tomorrow's work and not next week's work, but today's work, right? Right. And that's actually a part of my morning devotional. Like, God, if there's something on the plate today that doesn't have to happen, let it fall off. If there's something that requires my attention today, God, draw my heart to it and let me get it done. Give me the fortitude to finish Um, And Lord, if there's Mm. anywhere where I can ask for help, God, send the resources, send the help that Mm. I need, um, because I'm only one person. (laughs) The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers, other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. When we're struggling with discernment, when we're struggling with the burnout, figuring out what to prioritize, and and I was going to ask, you know, what resources or tools do do you have or use or suggest? And I still would love to know, but the fact that even in your prayer life, right, that just praying for that discernment, for that power of delegation and and help with prioritizing is in and of itself doing some of the work and and tapping into your spirituality to help figure out what's most important. Period. I mean, mm. and I cannot under, I mean, I cannot overstate the importance of having a spiritual life. 
I think yeah. a lot of a lot of us, um, and you described your spiritual path, which it resonates a lot with me. Like mm-hmm. there was a crux, a, a crossroads in my life too, where I was like, well, what's true for me? Right. I've been raised yeah. in this, you know, whole thing. And even, you know, went to divinity school. I know all this stuff, but what feels mm-hmm. most true for me mm-hmm. and what felt most true in a, in a season of great hardship in my life was not going to church was not, um, you know, having this really traditional practice, but in the quiet and in the solitude of my own home, getting really personal and really vulnerable with God in prayer mm. was very critical to my survival, my healing and my thriving. Yeah. And I have found that when I take the time for prayer, yeah. everything changes. <laughs> mm. You make me tear up over here. Oh my <laughs> god! Can, it's so true. It's so true. Everything changes, and and I don't by prayer, Zuri. I don't want anybody to misunderstand me and hear me as saying like you've got to give all this lip service to God and pray for thirty minutes at six a.m. If that's not mm-hmm. your thing, it's not your thing. If mm-hmm. your thing is, you know, I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna light this candle and I'm gonna have ten minutes of saying. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God makes me lie down in green pastures. That is your prayer life. If your prayer life is, I'm just going to sit in silence and just allow the spirit to speak to me. Like that's your prayer life. You know, it's really about communicating with God, however it feels most, most true and most authentic for you. But having that synergy, having that spiritual connection is... Um, to me, what I would recommend as the top, the top resource yeah. for s- spiritual self-care. I love that. And it's so much simpler than we think, right? Because you're right. Like to your point, I'm, I'm not the 6 a.m. anything person, actually. Yeah, I don't want to do anything. And I never have been. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's comforting to know, like we can take the pressure off, right? Of like what makes a good uh, Christian or a good person of faith or what the prayers have to feel like or look like as long as it, it resonates with you and you're in that communion um, with yeah. God. Definitely. So be it, whatever that looks like and whatever feels that like looks for you. Like, whatever that looks like, you know? And so my prayer life ranges from, I mean, I, I have, you know, typical prayer where, you know, I might, I might raise my hands in the morning to express my gratitude. I might kneel up by my bed at night because I did that mm-hmm. as a child. Um, yeah. I have seasons where I'm listening to Gregorian chanting and oh. I have seasons where I'm listening to Taze from France. I have seasons <laughs> where I'm listening to the African-American spirituals mm-hmm. um, because all of it is prayer. Um, yeah. When you just attune your mind and your your, your wavelengths to a yeah. higher wavelength, and it, it's prayer, and it and it makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. In addition to prayer, um, what what are some of the the things that we should be thinking about, or that you? you know, seriously recommend, strongly suggest we be doing on a weekly or a monthly basis, you know, uh, particularly once the pandemic hit, things really changed when it came to going to church, right? We realized, okay, well, we can't do this in the way that we used to. Uh, Virtual communities became stronger than ever. Live streaming of services and sermons. Um, How important is that to you uh, for for the women you lead at Spelman and beyond uh, when you're encouraging them to strengthen their faith? Oh, it's, it's, it's so important. It's so important. And I'll say that one of the reasons why, um, 
like kind of tapping into digital resources is so important for Black women in particular. And I've told this to my students. It's because the pandemic hit, right? And everybody went virtual. But for years before that happened, Black women were doing virtual ministry. Mm. And we were doing it by by virtue of necessity. We weren't getting the same opportunities. We didn't have the same sort of platforms. And so many of us, you know, we retreated to, to, to online and virtual options to actually live out our calling. Um, hence, she preaches, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But then there's Dr. Melva Sampson, who does Pink Robe Chronicles on Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and gets me together before I okay. have to go to campus. I'm into it just from the name alone. So I'm going to have to check this out. This woman is everything. Okay, Pink Robe Chronicles. Danielle Thomas, who does um, Unfit Christian, where, I mean, she's doing some really, really, really amazing work of kind of um, bringing, you know, those who were raised in Black church into communion with African-based spirituality. She's doing a lot of truth telling. Mm. She's doing a lot of undoing and unlearning. I follow her religiously. She's one of my spiritual guides. Um, and Atricia Hersey is actually an amazing resource or has created an amazing resource called the NAP Ministry. Um, NAP? Yes, girl. Okay. What is NAP? I'm, I'm assuming it's an abbreviation. It. No, <laughs> okay, tell it is no. not. It is not. Wait. So do we get to nap? Her whole yes, her whole <laughs> ministry. All like there's a ton of people right now talking about the importance of rest and mm. rest being resistance. And now like white wellness practitioners are saying rest is rebellion. But I think all those people need to send Trisha Hersey an offering because she was the first woman to say rest is resistance to mm. white supremacy. When black folks lay down and rest their bodies, take yeah. these naps and all the different ways that rest can happen. It is resistance to this white supremacist capitalist machine that we mm. live in. And that, and the mm. black woman started that. Talk about it. Um, yes. So the NAP ministry started out, I believe virtual, but she also was, um, I believe she started this ministry when she was in divinity school and was actually creating installations and pro community programs where people would just come and take naps. <laughs> really? Hold on. What are the qualities? How do I sign up? What do I, I'm, I've been following her for so long because I'm like, I'm waiting for her to start these programs back again yes, because, yes. you know, um, she has really raised my consciousness around how important it is to rest the spirituality of Sabbath um, and just unplugging and also helps me to see, you know, that this whole grind culture, this whole, this whole impulse to just work so you can look busy and work so people yes. respect you and work so you can produce and da 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 you know, how, how closely tied to white supremacy that is. And I'm like, mm -hmm. but we love it. And we, and yeah. she, she helped to yeah. bring that into light for me. And, um, only love Alston is also a black woman who actually, she is, um, she's Jewish and she has okay. a, an online ministry called prophetic whirlwind where she is reclaiming the black history of Judaism mm. and teaching people how to, uh, black folks, basically how to reclaim like 
Old Testament Hebrew scriptures through African practices um, and community. And she's also every week she's very big on her Sabbath and she expresses the, the spiritual significance of unplugging and resetting. So I just lift up, lift these women and their ministries up as resources because they've helped me to make, make it over, <laughs> but uh-huh. also because they've been doing this. They've been doing this long before 2020. Mm-hmm. We've been out here. We ain't new to yes. this. We true to this. <laughs> and when you need some resources, all you have to do is tap in. I love that. Thank you so much for for sharing so many resources. I mean, so gracious with with uh, that extension of of knowledge and wisdom. I want you to talk about she preaches too now. Like, what? Tell us a little bit about uh, the organization, the community that you've built, and who is that for? Who, who can engage? Who can uh, be a part of that that community? Yeah. So she preaches. I started it in 2012, and um, it was for millennial Black women in ministry. Uh-huh. Um, awesome. We we would do um, at the time Zoom Zoom really wasn't a thing, so we would do these um, free conference call <laughs> gatherings okay. and seminars and all kinds of really cool kind of activations that we would do to bring people together over over space and time. Um, mm-hmm. What became sort of our signature offer if you will, um, was our Good Friday services because in the Black church, you, you, you know, you go to a Good Friday service and many of them are, um, it's all men preaching seven times, mm-hmm. seven men back yeah. to back, the seven last words. Yeah. And um, in 2000, I want to say 14, we did our first one, seven Black young women preaching. Wow. And we preached on the women in the Bible. Um, we preached on um, lived experiences that were unique to women. So we had, you know, we had people preaching about menstruation and menopause and sexual assault and depression and you know, these sort of ways that we as Black women uniquely suffer and proclaiming the gospel through that lens. Um, she Preaches has not been as active since I moved to, to Atlanta, um, which to anyone who has started anything, my one word of, is, of advice is start, start with a team, even if it's just mm-hmm. two of you, because when you get tired, the work has to continue. And it's like the, one of the biggest things that I regret about like my, my lack of infrastructure with She Preaches mm-hmm. um, as I've sat with it um, and yeah. had a chance to reflect on my leadership. Who is your uh, most favorite uh, female biblical figure um, and why? I would say um, this woman whose name is Deborah. Okay. You can read all about Deborah in the book of Judges. Um, Deborah was the first, uh, first known woman judge in Judah, right? Um, okay. In the ancient Hebrew community, the first female judge, which would have probably been the equivalent of something like a president, right? Mm. Of the nation, right? First known woman in this powerful position. And when we first meet Deborah in the scriptures, it said that she ruled from beneath a palm tree, right? And so this powerful woman in this um, luxurious, I've always just pictured her under this palm tree is like, here's my, here's my throne and all of my administration. And I'm just going to be under this palm tree receiving the wisdom from, from, from 
heaven. Yes. Um, but then there, ta- there comes a pivot in her story when the people are going to war um, and they're, um, they're in a very vulnerable situation. And God has specifically called one person to go to battle for her people, for, for the people. And this person's name was Barak. But Barak turns around and said, I'll only go if you go with me to Deborah. To Deborah. Okay. Deborah says, I will go with you. But because of this, this decision that you have made, God will not give the victory to you in the battle, but God will give it to a woman. Ooh. And <laughs> in that moment, you wonder, like, is she going to get the victory? Like, is she going to slay the enemy? So, but you got to keep reading this powerful pivot point. And I love it because I feel like I can see her moving out from under her palm tree with her beautiful clothing and her powerful seat and going to put on her battle gear Mm -hmm. and going into battle for her people Mm -hmm. to secure the safety and the dignity of her community. Mm. And this woman goes sore. This judge, this leader, this powerful woman decides for this moment, I am I am leaving my seat of power behind and I'm getting right in the battle with my people. Wow. Um, wow. And so she goes to battle. And at okay. the end, it is not Deborah who secures the victory. It's another woman who we meet okay. named Jael, who slays Jael, who's who slays the enemy by 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 basically running, like stabbing him in the head? Okay. And so the things that I love about Deborah was her position. I love that she got out of her powerful seat to go into battle to secure the victory for her people. But I also love she set up another woman to succeed. Mm. She set up another woman to have the victory and to secure the victory for the people. Um, Because I think when you're a powerful woman, you understand that I don't have to consolidate the power. I can share it. Amen. And so that's yes. my girl, Deborah. Oh, I love that. I've I got to go back and find that story. Where, yeah. where, where in the Bible would we find that? She's in Judges. Judges. Um, okay. She's in the book of Judges. Um, in Judges 4, we meet Deborah. Judges 4, okay. we meet her. And then you read, I think, 4, 5, and 6, you read her story. Okay. I love that. Okay. Well, I'm excited now to go to <laughs> Judges and revisit. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, maybe for the first time, because I'll be honest, I don't think I'd ever known the story of Deborah, but that is certainly a fascinating one. And your points to her setting up another woman to take that glory, to take that celebration, yes. um, that win. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. a fun yeah. one. That was a surprise. <laughs> okay. I, I want to know your favorite scripture. Uh, just just bless us just really quickly, a little something. And why? Why is that one your, your go-to? My favorite scripture is in Luke chapter one where Mary sings a song of praise to God. Um, She talks about um, um, the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. Um, And her whole song is talking about how um, through generations of of her people, God has been working um, to bring the Messiah into, into the world and has chosen her to be the vessel to do that. And, and she's not even like um, seeing herself as the tipping point. 
She's just seeing this as being the next chapter of God's faithfulness to the people. And she's yeah. praising God. Um, when wow. we in, in the academy, we call her song the Magnificat um, because she is magnifying God um, and praising him. And so I always turn to that, even when I feel like, man, things could be better right now or I'm in a hard spot because it reminds me that it's not over yet. If it took God mm. that long to manifest that promise, then I'm just yeah. in a process now of waiting for mine to come. Wow. So beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more, connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and an Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. Nichelle, for people who maybe didn't grow up in the church, uh, maybe are new to this concept of faith or on the fence about exploring it, where do you suggest they start? What what book could be read? Um, What website could be visited? What internal dialogue or or reflection could be had. Yeah. Um, In addition to all of those women that I just named, because um, I would say they're all, they're just all wonderful entry points into a radical faith. All of these women, there's nothing traditional about anything that they do. Um, And so I just think 
right now, if you're going to jump in for the first time, jump in at the deep end, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just dive right in. Um, Some other books that I think are really important. A couple of things. Uh, Howard Thurman is one of my favorite Christian writers, and he's um, actually one of my predecessors in the chapel at Spelman. He's the former campus pastor at Spelman before he worked at Morehouse and then Boston College. He wrote this book called Jesus and the Disinherited. And this book is so important to me because it was the first time that I read Zuri, the ways that the Gospels and Jesus, as he's presented in the Gospels, um, comes to bear on social justice issues. Um, And there's so much happening in the world. And there is... There's a there's a there's a call right now for us to see the ways that faith um, emboldens us to be agents of justice and equity. And Howard Thurman's book Jesus and the Disinherited is just so powerful in that way. He also wrote a book called The Inward Journey, where he's talking about um, he's talking about having an, an, an interior life and a spiritual life and practices of stillness and reflection and centering which um, is very different from what we are doing right now, where everything is just so quick to be broadcasted. And so he's calling, what he's doing in this work is just so important for doing that kind of spiritual grounding and centering work that we were talking about earlier. Um, And finally, there's a beautiful book that I'm actually teaching right now at Spelman um, called In My Grandmother's House. Um, Okay. Black Women, Faith, and the Stories We Inherit is written by Dr. Yolanda Pierce, who is the current dean of Howard University School of Divinity. And she's read, she's written this beautiful, beautiful book where she's basically reflecting on the faith that she inherited as a young Black woman who was steeped in the Black church tradition, who also went through a formal theological education and what that meant to what she inherited in this process of owning her faith um, and owning it in such a way that she's not discarding what she was raised with, but she's fine tuning it. She's bringing Mm. it with her in the ways that feel right as an act of honor for the women who poured it Mm. into her. Um, Just beautiful. Oh my God. And she does a lot of historical work in there. She will introduce you to some really powerful historical figures um, and movements and it's almost like the best of both worlds. And so far, my students are loving this book this semester. Really? And okay. I'm it too. All right. Okay. I'm going to have to pick that up too. Thank you for those. Um, you you talked about in that last uh, bit, so kind of a perfect segue, uh, my grandmother's house, right? We think about um, generations and legacy and a lot of us growing up in the church. Um I do want to use that to sort of transition to one thing that some of us have experienced um, stigmas around what is right, what is wrong, what we do, what we don't do. Some people, um, you know, unfortunately being turned off uh, to God because they're sort of bundling God up with religion or church or that specific experience. Um, I'd love if you could just speak to that, to kind of what you've historically seen and um, some of the stigmas in the church around the traditional stigmas, uh, single motherhood, uh, divorcees, et cetera. Uh, How (laughs) can women still feel connected um, and sort of rise above or, or forget about the people who, 
want to cling to the stigma instead of make the space that we know should be made and is being made in so many places. Yeah. This is such a big question, Mm -hmm. Zuri. Um, And it's something that's, that's weighed heavily on my heart as someone who's been divorced, as someone who, you know, has faced some consequences for my truth telling in the church. Um, it's very, this is so real. Um, and also that, so what I'll respond is, is what I have right now. I'm probably, you know, in some years I'll, maybe I'll live into a more evolved understanding, Mm -hmm. but I think you should always go where you are loved, not where you are tolerated, not where you have, or you feel that you have to, you know, leave parts of yourself at the door. And only a part of you can enter in, you know, there's so much work and scholarship done around the sort of trauma that has been done um, by by the black church. Um, But as somebody who practices in the black church, what I know is that there's so many communities that have that are not wrapped up in that trope. There's so many life-giving communities. There's so many queer-affirming ministries. There's so many womanist-led ministries where they really do abide by the ethic of Jesus that says, come as you are, and we will love you as you are, right? Yes. And, and in so doing, right, when we love you as you are and you come as you are, the expectation and the hope is that you'll you'll come as you are, but you'll leave elevated. like. You'll leave elevated because many times we come into these healing settings broken. We come into these healing settings because of these stigmas and these traumas that we've suffered in the church. We come because we need to be loved up on, right? Yeah. And love heals, right? Yes. And when you're healed, you can move differently in the world. When you're healed, you can walk with your head up. When you're healed, you can actualize your calling. So these Mm. are communities who will push you to be the best that you can be. Um, And you might not find those in a local setting. You might have to log Mm -hmm. on to them, which Mm -hmm. is why I attend Pink Road Chronicles right before I go do my thing in Sisters Chapel on Sundays, because that's the community that pours into me. That's the pastor that I subscribe to her leadership. I love it. Um, So go where you're loved. Not where you're tolerated. Absolutely. I'm going to snap a few times for that one because I have tried to stay in some spaces where I'm just like, why am I even here? And I'm not even talking in a, you know, necessarily a religious context. It's like, yes. So used to being the outlier and just like normalizing, being uncomfortable or being quiet for the sake of not causing a stir or being side-eyed. And it's like, I'm just going to (laughs) go. Like you forget sometimes that you have that power and you can take it back. And you can take it back. And for the places that have have forced you to silence yourself, there's a community that's going to call you to speak your truth and walk mm. in walk in your your authenticity. Mm. You might have to go looking for it. Yeah, but yeah, the search it. will be yeah. worth it. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. Before I let you go, Nichelle, um, obviously you have this beautiful, this amazing, this this powerful and important role at Spelman. You're advising so many young women as, as they walk in faith. Uh, if you could just leave us with maybe two, maybe three things that you would share with them, that you would share with us about finding our faith and nurturing it. What should we remember as we continue on or start our journeys? 
Yeah. So the first thing that I'll say is just have have a spiritual practice that you do with intentionality, whether it's prayer, whether it's holding silence, whether it's fasting, whether it's um, writing in your journal, whether it's reading your sacred text, have something that you do with consistency um, that will feed you spiritually. Um, So that's number one. Number two, um, be very conscientious of the content that you consume. Be very, very, very discerning mm-hmm. about who you follow and who and what appears on your feed, um, because all of it finds a way into your spirit, into your subconscious. And, you know, you can curate a feed that feeds you. You can curate a feed that nourishes your spirit, that brings you back to a place of, of center and focus. You may have to unfollow some toxic accounts. You may even have to yes. unfollow some people that you know personally. Listen, we've talked about that on this <laughs> show. Because I was like, oh, I just want to cut so many people loose. Mute them, y'all. If you put feel like mute. you can't unfollow, yes. mute them. Then put them on mute. Use all of those modalities. Mute, unfollow, block yeah. even. You know? <laughs> oh, and block. Michelle. <laughs> I am a fan of the block button. Ooh, okay? Savage, savage mode. Listen. Uh, no, we ain't having it. So be very conscientious of the content you consume and curate a feed that feeds you. And then finally, find ways to get your rest because you cannot possibly function um, from a from a deficit. You cannot possibly function from um, from a place of exhaustion. So finding the activities that replenish your energy, replenish your cup, that fill you up, do those with intention. Like, and the one more thing I'll say is surround yourself with people who love you and think highly of you. Mm. People who don't make you feel like you are an inconvenience to them or a burden to them, but who make you feel like you are the queen, the king, yes. the liege of the world because you are. Yeah, I love that. Oh my gosh, such good, such good stuff. So many amazing tips. I have so enjoyed this conversation. Same. And like I said at the at the start, I appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us. If people want to um, follow you, so we can start feeding our spirits with our feeds. I love what you said about that. Uh, where can people keep up with you? Reach out to you. Support you. Yeah, I'm um I'm on Instagram mostly. That's my my social media of choice. So I'm at Nichelle G N E I C H E L L E G. So at Nichelle G, and then I'm also on my coffee page doing coffee stuff. So blackgirl.blackcoffee on Instagram. So those are my preferred platforms. And then um you can go to my blog to read more and connect there as well. I love it, Michelle. Thank you so much for this conversation. I appreciate you. you. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear it. Thank you so much. All right. I am so invigorated, so energized after that conversation with Nichelle. Thank you again to her. And I can't wait to go get that coffee. Uh, Blackgirlblackcoffee.com. Let's go. Um, My biggest takeaway from our conversation was really just being intentional, right? More intentional about setting time aside for my faith. I was journaling at my best. That was a while ago, but I just get so exhausted with the journaling and the writing down. But I loved what she said about prayer life and prayer being um, so many different things to so many different people. I can light a candle. I can say my prayers. I can talk to God for 10 minutes a day. I'm big on just conversations in the car like he's in the passenger seat with me. So I just kind of speak 
out loud or to myself in a very conversational way and, and find that that's most often how I communion with God or how I have the conversations uh, within myself when I'm trying to work through something spiritually. Um, but I love that she, she, you know, really reminds us that celebration of faith comes in all different forms. So I hope you took something away from it. I certainly did. Uh, and the tools that Nichelle gave us uh, will hopefully make a world of difference. So thank you again, Reverend Nichelle, for joining us on Hot Happy Mess. Uh, hey, you, you listening, make sure you stay tuned for more episodes every Monday. You can head over to hothappymess.com and leave me a voice recording. That's fun and new, right? It could be a review. You could have a question for me and ask for an Ask Zuri segment or just to say what's up. And who knows? You might hear yourself on a future episode. And if you are loving what you're hearing, then go ahead and leave us a review because it helps. Okay. This one is from a lovely lady who sent me a beautiful message that I, I want to read, um, but I'll keep her identity private to, to protect her privacy. <laughs> but uh, she says, hi, Zuri. I really do want to thank you in private for creating Hot Happy Mess. I was forced into this journey and I'm so grateful for it. Your podcast was the first one I clicked on when I started this journey. It really has me out here thinking I can be great and more than just an accounts receivable specialist. Don't get me wrong. I am grateful for my job and all I have learned and the friends I have made because of it but now I have realized that I can have a 760 credit score. I can go back to school. I can build my house one day very soon and I can be financially whole. I didn't know any of this until hot, happy mess. Thank you again for sharing such a huge blessing to the women of color who need it the most and definitely everyone in the world. I wish you nothing but the best with a bunch of little pink heart emojis. Oh my gosh, that message warms my heart more than you know and it is exactly why I created this show it is my hope my vision my my inspiration and motivation to just help shine a little light in your lives because it's certainly helping to shine a lot in mine by talking with you all and getting to know you and and learning with you because I am learning just as much as y'all are as we have these conversations. So I'm so excited to hear that you are remembering what is possible for you because there's so much possible. I really believe that. And I'm wishing you the best. I'm sending you so much light and love. And thank you. Thank you for taking the time to, to send such a beautiful message. Thank you. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, it's a free and super easy way to support Hot Happy Mess so we can keep growing and growing and growing. Just go to Apple Podcasts, type in Hot Happy Mess, scroll down and write your review and leave five stars. Thanks. Love you. <laughs> okay. Don't forget to share this episode with a friend. If you liked it, your homies on social, tag us at Hot Happy Mess so we can repost you if you're listening and you can slide in my DMs, hit me up, follow me at Zuri Hall, Z-U-R-I-H-A-L-L or at Hot Happy mess on instagram and i will talk to you next monday bye 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 this episode is supported by fx's clipped the scandalous story of the 2014 clippers owners racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world the series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league starring lawrence fishburne jackie weaver cleopatra coleman and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears. 
Real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR. 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. 